Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul shares with the elders of the church three elements of his service to the church. These three elements translate to the modern church as keys to the best year ever. In today's message, we dig deeper into these three elements with a message titled The Gospel Impact Part 2 from our series titled The Best Year Ever. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the message. Best year ever. Amen. This season for the best year ever. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, verse 20. Our foundation for this year, going into this new year, is very simple. It's very, very simple. There's no change in vision. Amen. If your vision changes every year, that means there's a problem. Amen. I love it when I go to the eye doctor and he says, same prescription, Moten. <laughs> it means there was no change in my vision. Amen. I'm still seeing what I'm supposed to see with the lenses I currently wear. Amen. And that's what we want our lives to be, that God doesn't have to keep changing our lenses because we're not seeing clearly. And the fact of the matter is, is that for 2,000 years, the church has had very simple mission. It hasn't changed. And if we don't see it, it's because our vision changed, not because God changed. See, Jesus said this. He said, somebody asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, there's not one, there's two. The first is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your strength. He said, but the second is like the first. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Amen. And in the season of self-hatred, that's sometimes what gets manifested. Sometimes we don't like ourselves, so we don't like others as well. But the gospel came to us that we might love the creation that God made because he loves it enough to give us Jesus for our redemption and salvation. Amen. So guess what? I learned to love myself. Amen. I learned how to love the way I'm made. I learned, of the, I learned to love to look in the mirror and see that one little eye I got and say, I love you, little eye. <laughs> I, learned to love, I learned to look in the mirror and love, look at them big old ears. I love you, big ears. I love the way I'm made. Amen. Amen. And I don't care who knows it. Amen. Because I learned to love what God made, which freed me to love you. Because I can love you how you are. Because I can accept how I am. Amen. Amen. I used to have a bad temper. God said, I'm going to heal it so that you can use it as passion. I used to get mad and try to get even. And my favorite quote was this. I heard my father say this one day, and I started saying it myself. Something happened, this guy, this guy said something to my father, and it was not an environment to get into it. And so my father, said, my father said this to him. He said it real low. He said, I may not get you today. And I may not get you tomorrow. But I'm going to get you. <laughs> and I said, whoa, man, I like that. <laughs> so I was a young man. Somebody I said, yeah, I may not get you today. I was, I was repeating right after him. But God told me, he said, I'm going to take that and I'm going to use it for glory. I've seen people who had, who as, as, as unbelievers were fighters. And when God led them to Christ, they became fighters in the kingdom. And they began to be people who engaged in spiritual warfare. Because it's a fight. 
And so that same character that they had as an unbeliever, God turned it and didn't erase it. He made it holy, which means to be set apart for his use and then used it for glorious things. So vision doesn't change. And God uses what we are when we see his vision to begin to transform both us and the world that we're in. God didn't call me to change China. He didn't call me to change China. He called me to change the place I work. Called me to change my household. He called me to go into all the world, beginning in Jerusalem, where I am. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, you have power to make change where you are. Now here in Acts 20:20, very important passage, because Paul is telling the elders of the churches that he's been ministering to, he said, from the very beginning, you know what spirit I had when I came to you. And he told them three things that he did. He said, number one, I served the Lord with humility. I served him with humility. Now, I didn't try to make myself important. I didn't, I didn't bolster who I was. I came to you humbly and I ministered to you. He said, the second thing I came to do is I came and I stood in the face of adversity. In other words, when the Jews plotted against me, I didn't let it faze me. I kept on serving. I stood in the face of adversity. And he said, the third thing is here in verse 20. He said, you know how I kept back nothing that was helpful. Amen. So as a believer, you need to understand that you've been made for your circumstances. <laughs> I'm going to say it one more time. As a believer, you should know that you were made for your circumstances. The circumstances you're in, you are designed to handle. Those things that are happening around you, those are only things that come the same way the Jews plotted against Paul. But the key is, make up your mind that I'm going to be like Paul. I'm going to serve the Lord with humility. Serve the Lord with humility. I'm going to be humble in my service. In other words, I'm going to serve with no desire to be known and really no desire to really, other than messaging the gospel, to be understood. People won't understand my motives. People won't understand where I come from. People won't understand all that. They'll only know what I say or what I do that touches their life. And sometimes when we want to be understood, we will overtalk the moment, overtalk the situation, overtalk the season, trying to let our expressions be known. When all God wanted you to do was say, God loves you. <laughs> Amen. I kept back nothing that was helpful. So let me ask you to think about this. And that is, how does that apply to our context as a church? As a church, how do these three things apply to us? Well, first is that we have to allow God to use us in the way he sees fit. To be used in humility. And guess what? I can't tell you what that is. I would love to tell you what it is. I'd love to say, you guys are all chess pieces. I'm going to move you around and make you be where I want you to be. But then that would not be free will, which is what the keystone of God's kingdom is. You have will. So you have to see and look around and see, where can I serve with humility? So keep your mind that this year, I'm going to find where I can serve in humility. The second thing is, understand that trials are coming your way. They are coming your way. There is no way to not have a trial because there's already a judge and an accuser in the world. So that means there has to be a trial. <laughs> God is the judge and Satan is the accuser. And God keeps saying you're innocent and he keeps saying, nope, I have a charge against them. 
So understand there's a trial coming your way. There is no way around it. Trials happen to the best people. No matter who you are, there is a trial that awaits your life. It may have already come to you and it may do anything else, but that trial is awaiting your response. And you have to know when you go into the trial that you already have what it takes to be found innocent. We'll go with not guilty either, yes. <laughs> what makes you not guilty or what makes you innocent is the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. And it's one of those situations where the fact of the matter is you might just be guilty. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, he wasn't talking about you. <laughs> you might be guilty. But even if you are guilty, grace comes to cover you. The blood of Jesus was shed to give you grace to cover your faults and flaws, your errors, mistakes, and omissions. That's what grace came. But then God is also a God of mercy. Yes. And that mercy comes to allow you when you have done wrong to not face the full penalty. Come on. Grace covers you and gives you favor. And mercy wards off results that should come to you. Amen. See, I didn't want to keep that back. <laughs> I think it's a good thing for that to be released and for you to know that. How I kept back nothing that was helpful. Nothing that's helpful. And so that third thing that you need to think about in your mind is what do you have that's helpful to others that you need to pour out? Because sometimes in Christianity, we can start to live in a way that we don't see what we can offer. That's because the accuser of the brethren comes and says that you don't have anything. But I want to remind you about the widow who when Jesus is preaching, she walks into the synagogue with a little coin called a mite. And she drops that in the bucket. And then all of the sophisticated people with all their extravagant offerings lay it in and Jesus said guess what that widow she gave more than all of them because she gave of what she had <laughs> I remember I used to promise God I was giving my offerings I said God once I make a million dollars I'm going to get you 10% God said, I don't need your, I don't need your 10, I don't need your 10% of a million when you won't give me a unth of what you have. Because if you don't set the practice when you don't have things, that you're going to be a giver or that you're going to be a lover, then guess what? When you get stuff, you're still not going to do it. Because you work by habit. Amen. There we go. So Paul said, I'm not holding anything back. Nothing that was useful am I going to hold back from you. He said, that's how I live. So Christians, church, understand you're going to live that way. Because that's how Christ lived. See, Paul started operating in the image of Christ. When Paul before was religious and vindictive. So much so that if you don't follow the Jewish path the way it is written, I'm willing to stone you. And when Stephen, one of the apostles, when he was stoned, Paul was sitting there holding all the clothes for the people who were stoning him. Giving validity and permission to people to actually stone a man for his faith in Christ. 
But what Paul witnessed that day is he saw the man who was being stoned lift up his eyes to heaven and say, I see Jesus. As stones are being thrown at him, he says, I see Jesus. And it made them angry, so they began to throw more stones. (laughs) Woo! But Paul witnessed Stephen lifting his eyes to heaven and saying, I say, Jesus. So then when Paul himself, who as not a believer in Christ, one day is on the road, he then is struck. And he said, who touched me? And a voice said, it is me, Jesus. (laughs) It is me, Jesus. So when Paul has this experience and he then now hears the voice who says it's the one who he was watching someone else be stoned and call on. It's turned so that his witness was gleaned by someone he himself was persecuting. Which is why Paul said, you saw me deal with the persecution of the Jews. And it didn't stop me because I already seen a man be under persecution and say, Jesus, I see you. Hallelujah. See, going into 2020, if you want to make 2020 your best year ever, you have to make some decisions. Because you can get an easy year with compromise. I guarantee you, if you want the year to be the simplest year ever, you can just decide going to live my life. And you can slide into life and not experience the blessing, the favor, or the glory that could happen if we made our decision to follow this word. See, I want you to be people who follow the word and you get all the benefit and the harvest that God desires for you. Amen? It's called Abundant life. Amen? And see, but abundant life doesn't come by easing into life. It comes by actually going into the things that God has called us to go into so that we're in the position to be blessed. See, the word says this. It says that there's going to come a season when two people will be sitting next to each other, one taken and the other's not. Well, wait a minute. They're sitting next to each other. What's the difference? It doesn't make a difference where you sat. It makes a difference that you sit where God said. Amen? It makes a difference. Are you where and are you what God is calling you to be? And when you become what God calls you to be, then the favor of the Lord sits on your life. So I was working with a writing coach yesterday. And so I'm, I'm, I made up my mind. I'm trying to, I'm, 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 I have a topic I'm, I'm writing on and I'm working on it. And then I thought to myself, listen close. I thought to myself, I know even though God called my life to be an equipper of the saints, I'm going to write a book that will take this concept and reach unbelievers because that sounds great. And so I took this content I'm trying to work out and I said okay how do I make it applicable to unbelievers and I'm trying to I'm trying to apply it and so then I'm going through my interview process and it's it's a disaster it's just it's totally off track I'm like oh my god this is terrible and my wife came in I'm like ah oh. she said how was your day I'm like ah. <laughs> she said what's what happened did somebody die I said no man ah. Because I'm like all of us. I'm like all of us in the, in the sense that just because something's good doesn't mean it's what God wants you to do. See, somebody said, no, it's a, it's a good thing to do. Yeah, it's a good thing, but it's not the right thing. Amen. Sometimes the good thing is not the right thing. And you got to know what did God say? And part of our principles of this ministry is that you need to know God's voice for yourself so that when you hear God's voice, you can obey God and not just because I said, amen, amen. Follow the voice of the Lord. 
That's how you serve the Lord with humility, to hear his voice and serve what and where he says to serve. And then you'll be blessed. God ministered to me. He said, I called you to ministry. I said, oh, my God, I'm called to ministry. What am I going to do? And then he didn't send me to the ministry class. He sent me to work in the media department. Because I listened to him. And I'm standing in church. And the clearest day, the Holy Spirit said, I didn't call you to sit on the pew. I got work for you to do. And I heard it so clear. Wow, what am I going to do? And next thing I knew, I opened my, my, my program for the day. That's why y'all should read your Abundance 7, because there's good stuff in there. I opened mine up, and I looked in there, and it said at the bottom, it said, Pastor Brown needs workers in the media department. I said, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. I went to the media department, I went in there, and in humility, God said, I called you to ministry, but I didn't say, I've got to go preach somewhere. I said, no, God said, go to the media department, so I went to the media department, which seems like that's the opposite direction, but it's not, because you gauge directions by what you see. God tells you to give direction by faith. Amen. I went in that group. I got a ministry that put me in a position where I heard over and over the word of God. Because I started producing a radio program. And every week I'm listening to the messages over and over again. I'm hearing the messages every week, every week, every week. And you know what's happening? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So as I'm hearing the word over and over again, God was preparing me better than people who are sitting in class, not doing their homework, doing nothing. Amen. God started training me, and I was hearing the word over and over and over again. And I would listen to the word, and this is how the Holy Spirit would work for me. I would listen to the word Sunday, listen to it over and over again, and I would tell my wife, he's going to preach this next Sunday. And guess what? And he would preach it. You know why? Because I would listen to the message and then the Holy Spirit would minister to me because the Holy Spirit is no respecter of person. Guess what? God will tell you what I'm going to preach next week if you listen to it enough. Amen. <laughs> Amen. He started telling me stuff before it happened. How did he do that? Because I opened myself to in humility be where God said to be. And so what happened is then his gifts started flowing through me. Amen. And then I would walk around day to day. I'm in the, I'm in the media department. And I'm walking around day to day, and God would give me words of wisdom, a word of knowledge for people. And I'd be walking around, and I'd see people, and I'd just say stuff. And they'd go, how'd you know that? I said, the Holy Spirit showed me. And that ministry that seemed like it was a ministry actually was opening doors for me to do what God had called me to do. Amen. Serve with humility. Serve what God says. You want to make it your best year ever? Find and listen to where God says to serve. Plug in and serve. Amen. And just because you're gifted in one area of your life does not mean that's where God called you to serve. Amen. I had a man that I was, men I was working with one time, and he said, hey, I'm a manager on my job. I'm a manager here. So I'm like, we don't manage a church. <laughs> that ain't what we do here. He said, I'm a manager. I know how to. No, man, no, you, no. Fred Sanford was a coordinator, but you know, that, that didn't mean nothing. Amen. You had to be way back in the 70s to know that one. I'm sorry. Amen. <laughs> All right. But you have to be not where you are professionally, but where does God put you spiritually? Where does God call you to plug in spiritually? And then what perhaps may happen in your life is that your spiritual life may awaken gifts that then bless you professionally. Because see, the way, the way my two areas of life have aligned is not because I was working in education or teaching previously. It's because I was doing something totally different. I was working in banking when I came to the Lord. And I went from banking into, the min, into ministry and media, and the next thing I knew, God orchestrated, ordered my steps. The next thing I knew, I was in human resources, and it went, continued to go from there. And then all of a sudden, God started doing new things in me, but it came because I put that priority on 
serving the Lord with humility. And then when challenge came to my life, I didn't quit. When my, my, when my job downsized, I didn't stop serving at church. Amen. I didn't stop. I kept on going. When I had personal crisis, I didn't stop. I kept on going. When I had death in my family, I didn't stop. I kept on going. And I kept on because those trials that were coming, when I had friction in the church, I didn't stop coming. Amen. When I had challenge, anything, I didn't stop doing what God told me to do because people didn't tell me to do it. God told me to do it. Amen. And so I had to continue on pressing in, pressing in, pressing in, and God brought me healing in the areas that needed to be healed because I was where he told me to be. And he brought me favor where I needed to have it because I was where he told me to be. And God will continue to do for his people when we endure challenge and we stand firm in the face of it. And then the one I'm still moving my way through is not holding anything back. Amen. I'm working on not holding anything back. If it's good, if it's helpful, I want to press it out. Amen. And that's where God is now working on me to break the spirit of perfectionism. And guess what? It was deep in there. But guess what? God is a miner. Amen. God will start on the surface and he'll dig his way down. Amen. He'll dig down as deep as he needs to get to get stuff out of you. And when he comes it up, whoa, it'll be pure gold. Come on. He will dig down in you and take stuff and transform it. And make it for his glory. Woo, man. I want to get to glory and see God with that miner hat on, with the light on the front saying, oh, we finally got it out of you. Amen. Come on. Come on. How many, how many, how many, God's been digging in you? How many of you? Come on. All right. You know it. Come on. He's digging deep. <laughs> Amen. How many mature Christians we have in the house? Amen. See, here's what I want you to label yourself. I want to, I want, you're, you're going to rebrand right now. Amen. You heard of rebranding. You had a brand. We're going to change the brand. I'm going to change your brand. If you said you're a mature, mature Christian, I'm going to change your brand this morning. Your new brand is you are a maturing Christian. Amen. <laughs> amen which makes all of us are maturing in the things of god amen amen if you look at me and you think i'm complete you're wrong i'm maturing in the things of god amen which is why i can stand up here and be transparent because i don't care if you know my cracks and my flaws because guess what god is with me amen and god is working in me to will and to do his good pleasure he's going to continue to work on me and i'm going to continue to say this is where i was weak and now i'm strong amen because that's what god says let the weak say Come on, I'm strong. But that says that you must have some weakness in your life. Amen. <laughs> he said, Paul said this. He said, God told him, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Amen. His strength is being made perfect in our weakness. Therefore, I'd rather boast in my infirmities. Amen. I can brag about where God me, brought, brought me from. Amen. I can brag about the fact I used to have a temper. Amen. Because God has now turned that temper into holiness. Amen. I can brag about the fact I used to be an atheist because Christ in me has now become the hope of my glory. Amen. Come on, come on. You can brag about where you came from. I can brag about the fact that I had to preach my first message with a hole in the bottom of my shoe because I was broke. I can brag about that now because I've been delivered. Life has changed for me. God has brought me to a new place. Amen. But guess what? I was going to preach if that hole was there or not. Amen. 
because God told me to do something and I wasn't going to let my personal embarrassment or shame stop me from doing what God told me to do. Amen. Because the enemy will paint a picture of your character, paint a picture of your life. He will shape you in, in his own mind, in his image, rather than you being shaped into the image of Christ. Hallelujah. Come on. Acts 2020 leads us into our mission, which hasn't changed. We don't need new lenses. We can see the same thing God's been showing us from the very start. Amen. He showed us very simple. He said, this church has got three things it needs to do. Number one, this church has got to walk in love. I said it before and I'm going to say it again. Jesus very simply said this. What is the greatest commandment, Jesus? You should walk in love. Because you got to love the Lord first. So I love the fact that our worship is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And it's getting stronger because you are having Christ formed in you and you are worshiping deeper and deeper. Amen. That means what's happening? You're loving the Lord God with your heart. And when you love the Lord, deeper you love the Lord with your heart, the deeper your worship comes forward. Amen. And so that's what's happening here is our worship is strengthening because our hearts are being more and more pressed unto God. And the more we press our hearts to God, the more worship comes out. And there's offerings that you can give. You give money because you got money. But there's one offering that you can give God. There's the only thing, the most high thing you can give to God is your worship because you can't get it from anywhere else. Money you give, you got money from somewhere else. You gave your service, God gave you gifts. But worship, nobody gave you. You can only have worship come out of your heart. The only thing you have to give God that he didn't give you first is your worship. And when you learn to worship in spirit and in truth, what does that mean? That you understand all I can get worship from is out of here. I can only get worship out of heart. I can only take worship from the deepest part of me and give it to God. That's why worship is so powerful. And guess what? If you try to use worship for anything else, you soil the worship. Worship is a gift that man gives to God. And that's all it is. <laughs> okay, leave it alone. Walk in love. You got to seek out tangible ways to love God as a worshiper. Tangible ways to love God as a worshiper. That means you can sing to God. It means you can lift your hands to God. It means you can clap your hands, all ye people. Amen. It means you can lie before him in worship. It means you can pray and talk to God and express your worship and words to him. It means that you become a worshiper and you can declare that, Lord, whatever I put my hands on, I'm dedicating what I put my hands on to you. And you can worship doing your job. Or you can worship washing your dishes. Or you can worship mopping your floor. Or you can worship laying in your bed. You can worship by just saying, Lord, whatsoever I do in word or deed, I do it as unto you. And it becomes a worship unto the Lord. Amen. You can worship making a sale. Praise God. You can worship giving somebody a stretch. Come on. You can, ooh, man, I should have did that one. But you can worship. <laughs> you can worship anyway. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I needed to stretch before the stretch. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. I want you to turn to a neighbor and say, neighbor, I may not know you, but I love you. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, don't get jealous. I love you too. Come on. <laughs> now that's important because of this love your neighbor like you love yourself and Jesus gave a parable about who's your neighbor who's your neighbor your neighbor is whoever's close to you 
Amen. That's the definition of neighbor, whoever's close to you. And there's people who live close to you. There's people who work close to you. There are people who are your friends who are emotionally close to you. And there's strangers you're passing by who get close to you. And when a stranger comes by, they're your neighbor. And you love your neighbor like you love yourself. And the parable that Jesus referred to, we call the parable of the Good Samaritan. And after he talks about religious people walking past an injured man, and then a person who's not supposed to be that religious walks by him, picks him up, takes him to some place, makes a commitment. He took him to an inn and he said, I can't stay and take care of him, but I'm giving you money to take care of him until I come back. And when I come back, I'll give you whatever else you need. And Jesus said, which one loved his neighbor? See, we want to make sure that as believers that we wire into our own life a level of service that I refer to as DAC, D-A-K, Deliberate Acts of Kindness. That you, uh, you go out of your way to pour kindness to people, be a blessing to people who are in your environment. And it doesn't mean you have to spend money on them, but it means that when people are around you, you do what you can to be a blessing because you're blessed. Amen. If anybody waits on me at a table, anybody who waits on me at a table, even if they have a bad spirit on them, they're going to get some love from me. Now, if they resist, then no problem. Because I'm going to eat and I'm going to leave. And you're going to still be here with a bad attitude. But I, go, I try, my wife and I, we try wherever we go. We make friends with the people at the restaurant and we love on them. We try to pour into them, especially if it's a place we start going to regularly. And we just pour into them. And you know what? And there are people who wait on me all the time. I bought them gifts for Christmas. And I, I went to the restaurant to give it to them. You know why? And I'm, and I'm not trying to tell you that so, so you, oh, pastor spiritual. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just like everybody else. But I started to recognize if I'm going to really love, I got to start loving my neighbors right here. I got to start loving the ones that are right here. The ones that are closest to me. The ones I can reach. Amen. So the question is, who can you reach? Who's in your grasp? And before you preach to them, love on them. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're running out of time, so let me get, let me get down to the, the, the nitty-gritty here. Number two is the making of disciples. And this sounds, sounds, uh, sounds lofty, but it's really simple. The making of disciples is doing what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and 2. He said, these things you've seen and heard of me, I want you to take those things. Not stuff you don't know. Not stuff that's so deep that, that nobody understands it. I was talking to somebody, he said, you know, it, like, it sounds like you're expressing the difference between uh, Calvinism and, I was like, oh man. I wasn't trying to talk about Calvinism. <laughs> I'm just saying you have a choice. See, the Calvinism, that's the label that gets put on a theological series of thoughts. However, most people can't interpret that. I'm just trying to tell people that there is an eternal will of God. But in that will, your choice is part of the process. And it's not two different systems that either God has, has determined your destiny or that you have choice. Both are true. Because God's already in the future. That's why he's eternal. <laughs> he's eternal because he can be there and here at the same time. So God has known you before you were formed in your mother's womb because he can be back there. But God knows your expected end because he's out there. But that doesn't change the fact that whether you're here or there, 
You have to make choices in life. And your destiny is not hardwired. Your destiny is loose-wired. Because it's out there for you, but you got to walk it out. Amen. But to understand that when it comes to discipleship, it is understanding the things you've seen and heard. Teach those. So your discipleship is about going through a, uh, what we call a cycle of spiritual growth. And you, you hear me pray it every Sunday. And that is, everything starts with the knowledge that you have. So I'm preaching this message. It's going to be knowledge to you. You hear information. You hear some scriptures. That's knowledge. But that knowledge is going to, at some point, by the Holy Spirit, strike you. That it gets personal. And now it becomes revelation. But when the Spirit of God starts to penetrate your heart with what everybody else heard. And maybe you've been in a situation where, where a bunch of people are in a room and you heard somebody go, ooh, did you guys hear that? Everybody's, yeah, well, yeah, whatever. No, did you hear what I just heard? You got life-changing information and everybody else in the room heard the same thing. Why did it come to you? Because now you have revelation. You sit in a room with everybody else, they heard stuff, you heard it, it changed your life. That's because revelation touched you. But revelation has to be followed by an application to your life. That you would have to now have heard revelation, experienced revelation, and then make a decision. I'm going to use this. And so I said it was going to be the best year ever. So you know what I did? I got a writing coach because I'm going to write a book. Another book, yes. Thank you. Because you know why? Because God revealed something to me and he told me what he wanted me to do. And so when I'm trying to, in my own mind, make a decision what it's supposed to be, God said, no, you're going to fail that way. You do what I told you to do. And so I had to reel back my plan and then I had to recast God's plan. Amen. And now that I'm doing that, then the flow returned. So all of a sudden the flow is back on. I said, hey, okay, now because I'm where God told me to be. But that is what discipleship is. It is your personal experience with coming to know God in ways, hearing his voice, learning how to pray so that you talk to God and you listen to God and then you move with God and you talk to God and you listen to God and then you move with God and you talk to God and listen to God and move with God. And what is happening is that is your discipleship process. That discipleship process is enhanced by our teaching, but our teaching is not your discipleship process. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's not my teaching that's going to disciple you. What disciples you is you hearing, learning to talk to God, listen to God, move what God says to move. And when you do that more and more, then the voice of God becomes clear and you grow in the things of God. We're only here to build systems to equip you to do just that. Amen. So we have life groups so you can get an environment where you get challenged to talk to God and listen to God and move with God. Amen. So you get into because why? When you're in a small group, when you're in a life group and it's just five or three of you. Because remember, the word says wherever two or three are gathered, I'll be right there in the middle of you. Amen. So you need a life group of 100 people. If you got two or three people in a life group, then guess what? You can iron sharpen iron and listen to the Holy Spirit. Iron sharpen iron, listen to the Holy Spirit. And what's happening is you're going through that cycle of growth until manifestation happens, which is the fifth, fourth area. And when manifestation touches your life, it means that what God promised, he delivers. Amen. And sometimes you're going to know it's manifested before everybody sees it manifested. Because faith is the substance of things you're hoping for and the evidence of things you have not yet seen. Amen. And when God shows himself strong for you, because love is the foundation, then your job is to impart what you receive to somebody else. Amen. You got blessed by being in a life group. Eventually, you should lead a life group. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Four things that God's bringing about go back to that previous slide real quick and then I'm going to close with this. Your discipleship process 
works by number one, that you might know him. You got to know Christ. You got to know Christ. First thing first, you got to know him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You need to know him. You know the Father and you don't know Jesus, you don't know Jesus. There's no salvation because salvation is in his name, Jesus' name. You got to know then that Jesus said, I'm going away and I'm going to send my comforter to you. In other words, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. Amen. So if you receive Jesus, then you should expect the Spirit to come. Amen. First, you acknowledge there is a God. <laughs> then you say he's personal. Revelation. Jesus is the revelation of God. That's why we have a book of revelations. Because it is Christ revealing himself to the church. Amen. So it's Christ, the revelation of God, and then it is the Spirit who is the power of God, made resident in the people of God. So first, you've got to know him. Number two, then you should start walking in total prosperity. That's my discipleship. I should start walking in prosperity. I should have a great relationship with God. I should start having healing relationships with people. I should have gifts and talents that are in the move, moving in and out of me, giving gifts to other people. I should walk in wellness so that I'm capable of doing what God called me to do. And I should have the resources I need to see God move in my favor. Amen. That's the journey. Amen. And then finally, no sense in having a journey if you don't have a purpose. You got to understand what your purpose is. Why are you here? When you know that, you're free to move freely. Amen. And last thing there, to make a positive and eternal impact on the world. See, everything you do should make an impact. And then the last one, manifestation of abundant life. We know that's part of our mission. And so to define it, it's guiding our oikos. In other words, guiding those people who are around us into the same things we learned ourselves in being a disciple. The things you've seen and heard of me, commit those to others. See, in the disciples, there were two sets of brothers there. The reason there was two sets of brothers there is because that's who they went to. Andrew heard Jesus preaching, and he went to Peter and said, you've got to come hear this man. He got it, went to his brother, and he brought his brother. And his brother listened to him. And his brother, after he listened to him, he called another disciple and said, you got to hear this man. And so Philip came because Peter invited him. And so then when, when Philip was there, he said, I don't know if this is really the Messiah. And Jesus said, don't worry about me. I already saw you. <laughs> I saw you when you're sitting under a tree. What? Surely you are the Messiah. Yes, see, I am. <laughs> Amen. See, God uses relationships. And so we want to be masters of relationships. Bring in peace and the gospel. Amen. As far as we can get today, and I'll pick this up next time. Amen. You're going to have the best year ever. You have the best year ever. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Saints, what I want all of you to take from this is I see you taking notes. Take your notes. Use them to go to the scriptures and meditate on the things of God. Meditate on them. And what do I mean by meditate? Meditation is a very simple process. Meditation is what you hold in your thinking. That's why many times when people teach meditation, they teach you to get to a quiet space and get a thought that you're going to hold. But I want you to take the word and make it the thought that you hold. Hold the word in your mind. Hold it there. Because that's why Joshua said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Because then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Your way is your journey. Amen. Your journey will be made prosperous when you learn to take the word, meditate on the word, and let it start teaching you how to be prosperous in all your ways. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand on your feet. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for the spirit of worship, and we thank you for the word of God. I pray, Lord, that right now, as the word has been spoken, Lord, that it touched the hearts, and by your Holy Spirit, that you would 
let the eyes of everyone's understanding be flooded with the light of this word. Lord, let this word be in us so deeply and penetrate so strongly into us. Lord, that we are being changed and shaped into the image of Christ even as we speak. I pray for everyone in here in personal struggle. Everyone in here is going into this year just wondering how this year is going to be. And Father, right now I pray that by your Holy Spirit that you be a comforter to us. Lord, manifest yourself as the comforter. Because Jesus, you said that you would not leave us orphans, but you would send a comforter to be with us and be in us. And so I thank you, Lord God, for being in us this morning. I thank you, Lord, that as we are declaring with our mouth by faith that this shall be the best year ever, that we're making personal commitments to serve with humility, to stand in the face of trial, and to withhold nothing that's good. So we praise you, give you glory for these things right now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to today's message, The Gospel Impact Part 2, from our series titled The Best Year Ever. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, we want you to feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On the site, you're going to find more information about us, our church, events calendar, and many other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can catch our live stream worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. If you'd like to join us for a live service, click on the About Us tab on the website and get more information on service times and directions. Now, you can also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.